No part of the word of God can be understood by human interpretation. The Bible says that only men of God spoke as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Only men of God spoke as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. I want us to ask that the Holy Spirit will yet grant us that very important insight that we need this evening by the mercy of God. Just talk to the Lord and ask, Lord, I, I need understanding. Jesus Christ said that the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and able to assess every part of our lives and achieve that purpose for which God has sent his word. Let us talk to God this evening and say, Father, I need clarity, I need understanding from your word. Yet cause me to see that truth that is in your word. And by that truth, Lord, let me experience life. Let me experience life. remember the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed and the soil. The Bible told us that the sower went forth to sow, to sow seeds and then he started to scatter the seed. Some seed fell among thorns, some seed fell by the wayside, some seed fell on rocky ground and some seed fell on very good soil. The Bible told us that at the end of the day, the seed that fell on good soil brought forth remarkable results, remarkable fruit. Let's trust that the Lord and pray that the Lord will help us, that the word of the Lord will grow in our lives, producing that kind of fruit that will glorify the Father and that will also make our own lives to occupy that particular place of prominence. In the view of God's purpose, in the view of God's plan for our lives. Father, we bless you, we worship you. We give you all the glory for yet another privilege, another opportunity to come into your work, into your presence, to look into your word so that we can grow and become all that you want us to be. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes 
from the mouth of the Lord. Father, we are asking that this moment, your word will yet come to us to enable us to be all that you want us to be. We receive clarity, we receive understanding, we receive renewal by your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the glory, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, we are welcome to the uh, second study in the series. We're considering a new topic series titled Lives Big Questions. Lies be questions. The father in life there are certain questions that comes to our mind. There are certain questions that we struggle with about life, about living, about certain realities that we are daily confronted with. And then in the light of God, And we want to see what the Bible has to say and what answer we can get from the Word of God as far as these life difficult questions are concerned. And so last week we started to look at a few scriptures and then trying to get answer to this particular one that we're looking at under the series of life being questions which is why does God allow grief and affliction why do we go through pain at all why does a loving God allow us to go through pain why does a loving God allow us to go through difficult moments and challenges in life if truly God is loving how do we understand that love in the light of the things that we go through in life? It's been said that when bad things happen to people or to good people, in our times we see certain individuals or perhaps ourselves that, oh, we're doing our best, we're so good, we're morally upright, we try to ensure that we live the right way and yet certain things happen to us that we may want to consider very bad situations in life. And so when bad things happen to good people, we're forced to choose between a good God who is not totally powerful according to somebody but when the reality of life starts to steer us in the face, in the light of the difficulties that we experience in life, in the life of the pains and the afflictions that life brings to us, or that we are subjected to, we're forced to choose between a, God, a good God who is not totally powerful, or a powerful God who is not totally good. You know, we get to that point where we say, yes, God is good, but it seems he is not totally powerful. 
He can be good, but perhaps there are so many things he cannot handle. So he is not all that powerful. In the light of what we're being confronted with, that seems beyond us, that seems to like defy all explanation. Or we can get to that point where we say, oh, God is all powerful, but he's not really perfectly good. Or God is good, but he's not totally good. Or God is powerful rather, but he's not totally good. These are some of the view that people may have when it comes to the difficulties that lies, life brings to them, or uh, posts to them. And somebody also said that pain is God's megaphone to the world that needs to be roused. Praise the Lord. I told us about C.S. Lewis who at one point couldn't get to understand why there should be pain at all, why there should be difficulties at all, why there should be affliction and grief at all. And he found it difficult to believe in a God that is good who will allow any of such thing. And he started to make some search and trying to see how he can discover some answers to some of these life's difficult questions. Yes, for some time, he regarded himself as an atheist, had no belief in God, doesn't believe that God exists, because that is one conclusion that people can draw. That if all this is are going on, the confusion that we are seeing, that we're being confronted with, you know, that it, perhaps there's no God. And you know, he, he held that view for some time until he got to that point where he discovered that every of this pain, every of this affliction ultimately leads us to God. So he discovered God in the process and he became a follower of God, no longer and it is. And he said that God whispers to us in our pleasure. Now we need to get to understand that pleasure and pain are like CMS twins. As far as life is concerned, we need to establish it in our heart. And we'll come to that point where we'll be able to, to understand why it is so. That life is a blend of pleasure and what? A blend of what? Pleasure and what? and pain. You can use the human body as an example. In a human body, there's a whole lot of network of receptors that can easily uh, pick, you know, the, uh, the feeling of pain and communicate it and interpret it. We feel pain, different parts of our body. And at the same time, with our body, we also express pleasure, if I'm correct. Praise the Lord. So you will see that life is a blend of what? Pleasure and what? And pain. We've got to establish that, and that has been since the fall of man. Since the fall of man. So, in his own discovery, C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The pain can be God's own megaphone 
by which he rouses a deaf world, perhaps to the reality of that which is most important and that which is most significant. And you know, we've always asked questions. Man uh, uh, has always been in that mode of asking questions, not just now. You know, the classroom of life is such that we have a whole lot of questions in our heart. It's just like when you're in a classroom in a school and the teacher is teaching, there are many questions that may be talking at your heart. Maybe the teacher is teaching science and he's talking about graffiti and so on and so forth. And um, why is it that here on earth we can find ourselves that whatever goes on will have to what? Will have to come down. But when you go into space, you are weightless. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You are weightless. And somebody will want to ask questions. In, in the classroom of life, we will always have questions to ask. And that has been right from after the fall of man or right from creation in which man will always have questions to ask and to ask God. And let me say this, how we interpret pain, grief, and affliction will affect how we relate and comprehend God. How we interpret grief, pain, and affliction that we go through in life will determine or will affect how we relate to God and how we comprehend Him. It's very important that we establish this as we continue in this study. The interpretation that you give to pain, the interpretation that you give to grief and affliction, or how you comprehend them will to a greater extent determine how you relate to God or to the concept of the existence of God or to the concept of a loving God or to the idea that there is a God who cares for us. So how you interpret pain, how you comprehend pain, grief and affliction will determine how you relate to God and how you comprehend Him. And that's why you see at times that when people go through some measure of pain, some measure of grief in their life, they will conclude and make some conclusion. They will make some conclusion, they will come to a conclusion that either there is a God who loves or who cares and who is in existence or there is none. And that has been right from the time of Abraham, the time of Job, the time of even our Lord Jesus Christ up to this very day. So how do we go about answering all these difficult questions that life, you know, presents to us? Why is it that God allows grief and affliction? Let me also establish this. God is all-powerful and perfectly good. God is what? All-powerful. You know, 
If we say there is God and there is actually God who created the heavens and the earth, we must establish the fact that he is all powerful and he is what? Perfectly what? Perfectly good. God has spoken his mind to us in his word. God has written to us just the way Father will write to his children so that we can be able to understand him and be able to look at his life questions in the light of what God has said to us. How we interpret and understand the fatherhood of God in the light of the pain and the suffering that we go through is very, very important. How do we interpret the fatherhood of God? How do we relate to the fatherhood of God in the light of all the situations that seem so unpleasant that we face in life? In the book of Lamentation, chapter 3, from verse 31 to 33, of course, Lamentation is a book of pain. Praise the Lord. Now, not just a book of pain, it's also a, a book of promise. Are we together? Lamentation is a book where you see a man trying to lament his plight and the plight of his people. Why is it that certain things have been falling there that were so unpleasant, so painful, and the borders on grief? And how he will have to comprehend God in the context of all this scenario. When we started from chapter, I mean verse 1 of chapter 3, let, let's start to read quickly. And then I'll pause you at some point. Lamentation chapter 3 from verse 1. Say, so I am a man who has seen what? Affliction. And guess what? Almost every man will say at one point or the other they have had to go to one moment of affliction or the other. One moment of pain or the other. If you will have to sit every man down, they will tell you that in this area, in this area, at this point, they've had to face one particular moment of suffering or affliction or difficulty or pain. And this man said, I am a man who have seen what? Affliction. Maybe he has seen affliction in his own life or he has observed it in the life of another person or another set of people or individuals, yes? Now, he was talking about his affliction in the light of what God has done. Please read on. That our occasion we walk in darkness as it were instead of light, yes? Yes. He repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. 
There are occasions it does appear as if God is turning his hand against us. Everything speaks against us. Everything seems against us. Even God seems against us. Yes? He has walked away my flesh and skin. He has shattered my bones. We feel the pain even to our flesh and to our bone. That our occasion will go through some measure of suffering and difficulty in life that even our flesh and our bone can feel it. Yes? He has laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. Occasionally, we may feel like we are encircled, we are surrounded by bitter experience. Is that all right? Yes? He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. He has willed me in, in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. There are many people who seem encircled in their suffering, encircled in their grief. They look for a way to escape, but there is no way of escape. In fact, David at one point said, Oh, that I may have wings like the bear and fly away from all this trouble. Praise the Lord. That seems to be like the heart cry of many. Take note, you are not the only one in it. Some men have gotten to that point and they've had to ask questions about their suffering in the light of God's faithfulness and care. Yes? Even when I cry out and plead for help, he rejects my prayer. Said, Even when I cry out and plead for help, it does appear as if God is nowhere to answer my prayer. Yes? He has walked in my ways. He has walked in my ways. It's like in every direction I turn, I meet roadblock. There are occasion men get to that point in their life when they feel as if every direction in which they turn is as if there's a roadblock there. Yes? He has walked in my ways with cut stones. He has made my path crooked. He is a bear waiting in ambush, a lion in hiding. He forced me off my way and tore me to pieces. He left me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as the target for his arrow. He pierced my kidneys with his arrows. I am a laughing stock to all my people, mocked by their songs all day long. He filled me with bitterness. Sa Settled me with warm wood. He ground my teeth on gravel and made me cower in the dust. You can see the kind of imagery and language that this man was using to describe his pain, his suffering, his affliction. I'm a man who has seen so much affliction. And it doesn't appear as if God has taken a decision about me. To wall me around with suffering and bitterness. Yes? My soul has been deprived of peace. Mm. I have forgotten what, hap what happiness is. Then I Can you hear what he said? Is that he couldn't even comprehend what happiness is any longer. He has lost sense of the definition of happiness. Yes? Then I thought. Then I thought, now that is the turning point, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is a turning point in our thinking. There is a turning point that we must have in our thinking. 
in the light of suffering and God, praise the Lord. So then I thought, yes? My future is lost, as well as my hope from the Lord. Mm. Remember my affliction and my hopelessness, mm. the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and I've become depressed. Mm. Yet I call this to mind and therefore... Yet I call this to mind and therefore I have what? I have hope. Now, you, you look at the way he's been describing, describing his suffering. Then he got to a point that his thinking had a turning point moment. Praise the Lord. His thinking had what? A turning point moment. He, he, he had to reflect. And in his reflection, he got an answer. When we reflect through the scriptures, we get the right answer. Praise the Lord. The difficult questions that life poses at us, when we are thrown, as it, as it were, into the valley of questions, and we're seeking answers, when we're able to think through the scriptures, there will be a turning point moment. Like C.S. Lewis had it. He couldn't comprehend why a loving God would allow pain and grief. And so he had nothing to want to do with God. They want to have anything to do with God. He considered himself an atheist at, at some point. I don't believe in the existence of God. I don't believe there's a loving God in existence. But the more he made a kind of you know, diligent search, the more he began to comprehend God and to understand his pain. Praise the Lord. Yes, freedom. Because of the Lord's faithfulness. Because of the Lord's faithfulness. Because of the Lord's faithfulness. Now, he was able to now discover the faithful love of God in the midst of his suffering. Praise the Lord. And that's why at some point, some people believe that, and for those who have worked with God through their pain, that ultimately, the pain leads us to God. He said, therefore, I call this to mind because of the faithful love of God. In the midst of your question, may you discover the faithful love of God. In the midst of life's difficult moments, may you discover the faithful love of God. It's a discovery that every man must make. And God is ever willing, just like a good teacher, God is ever willing to answer our questions. If only we will wait long enough, praise the Lord. If only we will be patient enough. You know, one of the things and one of the underlining uh, lesson in the book of Lamentation is that the, those who want to experience God must learn to wait. Are we together? Those who want to experience God learn to do what? They must learn to do what? To wait. Because the faithful love of God is ever in existence. Please read on. We do not perish. So because of the Lord's faithful love, we will not what? Perish. We will not perish. For his mercies never end. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. They are new. Now look at his discovery. Hallelujah. He started from the point of suffering. He got to the point of discovery where he was able to discover the faithful love of God in the face of his questions. Life's difficult questions. Why is it that God allows us to go through grief? Why am I passing through what I am passing through? Where is God in all of this? 
But he got to that point when he said, Therefore, I call this to mind. Because of God's faithful of them is what is called the faithful love of God. May we all encounter it in the mighty name of Jesus. When we encounter the faithful love of God, the question that life poses at us, especially in the direction of grief and suffering, will be answered. Yes? We do not perish. Yes. For his messes never end. His messes never end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faith. Great is your faith. Now, the, your, your, no matter the gravity of your suffering, it cannot rubbish the faithfulness of God. No matter the dimension of your grief, it cannot rubbish the faithful love of this Father. It cannot override the mercy of God that is on a daily basis being unfolded to us. We need to get to understand this as we move forward in getting answers to the grief that we go through. That God's faithful love abides still, praise the Lord. That God is perfectly good and all-powerful. God is what? He is what? Perfectly good and what? All-powerful. Yes, read on. I say, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, Therefore I will put my hope in Therefore, I will put my hope in him. I will put my... Now, that was his discovery. In the midst of the myriads of questions that was talking at his heart. Now, let's quickly jump to um, verse 31 to 33. To get to discover God's own, how God relates to our grief. Praise the Lord. How God relate to our, our what? Our grief and our suffering. As much as you have questions, God also feels the way you feel. The Bible says we do not have an high priest who is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He said, but God knows that what we are but frail. We are weak, we are frail, we are humans. Who feels, and he feels our pain and feels our grief. Then you now want to ask, then why is that God has not done anything about it? Praise the Lord. But I tell you, He's doing something about it. In the midst of our grief, in the midst of our pain, like I said, may we discover the faithful love of God. Yes, let's read 31 to 33. For the Lord will not reject us forever. God will not reject us forever. That was the conclusion. And the statement of a man who started by saying, I am a man who has seen so many afflictions. No matter what happens, it is not in the nature of God to reject. Hallelujah. It is not in the nature of God to abandon. In fact, David said, if my father and my mother abandons me, God will take me up. He made that discovery in the midst of his own pain. The whole world may neglect him. The whole world may leave me. God will not. He has never left us away together. He has what? He has never left us and he will never leave us. He said, Behold, I am with you till the end of the age. Till the end of the world. Yes? Even if he causes suffering. Even if he causes suffering, there are occasions 
that God may allow suffering to come and we together. You know, at times many people ask the question, why so many suffering? But many don't ask, why so many pleasure? Are we saying there are no pleasurable moments in life? Are there no pleasurable moments in life? Are there no joyful moments in life? That's why you see on Facebook, on Instagram, people, you know, post their joyful moments, their most pleasurable moments, and so on and so forth. And that we have said that we must get to understand that life is a blend of pain and pleasure. They are like semen strings. If you get that understanding, you will understand God. Is anybody following? And you'll be able to relate well to this grief and suffering that we go through in life and then in the light of and in the context of the faithfulness and the faithful love of God. So, he said, he does not reject us forever, even if it causes what? Suffering, yes? He will show, his comp he will show compassion. He will show what? Compassion. He will show compassion. According to his abundant faithful love. According to his abundant faithful love. Now, the faithful love of God is deeper than the depth of the ocean. Are we together? The faithful love of God is what? Is deeper than what? The depth of the ocean. The faithful love of God is wider than the ocean. He said that it cannot be exhausted. Yes? For he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. Establish this also. It is not the joy of God to see man suffer. He does not enjoy. Can you hear me say, take that again? He does not enjoy. Can I hear it? Let me hear it. Read. For he does not enjoy bringing affliction. He does not enjoy bringing affliction. That is, even if God brings the affliction or is the source of the affliction or is the reason for the affliction, there is something behind the reason. Praise the Lord. What did I say? There is a reason behind the reason. If God brings affliction, if God allows suffering and grief, there is what? a reason behind it and we've got to understand that if we can understand it then it will be a lot easier to relate to these life questions about grief and suffering and then the faithfulness of god yes he does not another point i said he does not willingly let me read from here it says for no one is cast off by the lord forever everybody say no one no one Irrespective of your gender, irrespective of your, of, of your color, irrespective of your status, no one is ever cast off by God forever. That is the true mark of a loving God. That is the true mark of a father. He does not cast off anyone forever. Though he brings grief, though he brings grief, yes, God may be the source at times for some good reasons. He will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not. And that, that verse, that, verse 33 is very instructive. Praise the Lord. You can underline it in your Bible. If you are able to establish this at the back of your heart or deep in your heart, when you are confronted with some life questions 
moments of grief and suffering in life. You know, like I said the last time, you know, the pandemic that ravaged the whole world or that is still ongoing in the, in, the, in the light of the coronavirus has brought many grief to many people. Some have lost their loved ones. Some businesses have suffered away together. Some have suffered some economic loss. But of course we all know it wasn't God that came down to introduce coronavirus to us. It was the handiwork of man. Is anybody following me? But God allowed it. Is anybody following me? But the Bible told us that even when God allows all those things, you've got to let this verse 33 be established in your heart. That is very fundamental. If you have it established, facing this life difficult moments will not be difficult. Is anybody following me? When those questions start to talk at our hearts, then we will be able to have the right approach and the right perspective. Therefore, he does not willingly, everyone say he does not willingly. So the grief that God allows at times, something triggers it. Are we together? Something does what? The grief and the suffering and the affliction that God allows at times, there is something that does what? That triggers it. And you will get to understand it as we begin to look further. When you look at it, in the case of Job, I we together. You saw the magnitude of the suffering that Job had to go through. You had to read the book of Job from the beginning. Now let me say this to you. When you are reading a story, conclude. Get to the conclusion and you may see the good way the story, you know, ended. Are we together? Are we together? The story of Job, just like the book of Lamentation that we're reading, started with pain and suffering, but it ended with joy. Praise the Lord. And so he said, he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. To what? To what? So that you will not say God is partial. Is that all right? You know, grief, affliction comes to all men, either big or small, rich or poor. Am I correct? I'm sure for those of us who've been uh, we've been alive for quite a while, we know that affliction and grief is no respecter of any man. Are we together? So it says, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. So we have questions in life about the things we go through. Why do we go through what we go through? Why is it that God allows us to go through what we are going through? Where is the loving care of our Heavenly Father? Where is the loving care of God? Where is God? It truly is in existence. At one point, like I said, and on many occasions, right from the time of Abraham and the likes, you know, men have always been asking questions. And God is never willing to answer. Is that all right? You know, at one point when Abraham didn't have any child, he was bothered. He was called the friend of God. He was like a man who had this relationship with God. And yet, there was something he was expecting and desiring from God which he was not given. And that was what? A child. And he got so bored that one day that he was asking God questions. He said, is it this servant in my house, Eleazar, 
that will inherit all these riches, all this wealth that you have given me. And God had to, you know, uh, answer him and so on and so forth. And up till the Lord Jesus Christ, up to the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, men have been asking questions in the light of suffering and grief that comes to man. Matthew 27, 46, we see our Lord Jesus Christ saying, My father, my father, why have you what? Why have you forsaken me? And you will all know that today we know the answer. Don't we? Don't we? As at that moment, Jesus was carrying the sin of the whole world and needed to pay that penalty. The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So in order for him to be able to bring many sons to glory, God needed to turn it because the Bible said that God is of a purer eyes than to behold what? Iniquity. So while he was on the cross, it was iniquity that was being judged. Is anybody following me? And God needed to look the other way. His father needed to look the other way. So there was a reason behind the suffering. Are we together? Are we together? There was what? A reason behind that. But as at that moment when he was going through the pain, when he was going through the affliction, he was asking questions. The father, where is that your fatherhood? Where is that your love and care? Why is it that it is now that I needed you the more that I can find you? And there are people like that at times who get to that valley of question, where they are questioning their situation and questioning God in the light of their experience, in the light of their suffering. And we all know that at the end of the day, for the Lord Jesus Christ, it ended well. That's why I said, don't just look at the beginning of the story. Wait for the end of the story. Because the story will always end well with God. Are we together? Then also, when you go to the book of John, and that was where we started to explain how we need to comprehend this suffering and relate to this question. That you need to first understand the sovereignty of God. We must first do what? We must first do what? When it comes to suffering and grief, God reserves the right to determine what He permits and what He does not permit. Is that, is that settled with you? Is that settled with you? That is God is sovereign. Is the sovereign Lord. Is the all-powerful one. And is the all-good and perfectly good God. And we need to answer these questions of grief and suffering in the light of the act of God's love or his sovereignty. The sovereignty of God answers the suffering of man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What did I say? The sovereignty of God answers what? The suffering of man. Whatever suffering, whatever affliction, whatever grief you are having to pass through, when you bring it face to face with the sovereignty of God, you will get the right answer. You will do what? Get the right answer. Your comprehension 
of the suffering, the sovereignty of God will enable you to comprehend the suffering and the grief that you go through. Your comprehension of what? The sovereignty of God will enable you to comprehend that suffering and that grief that you go through. Don't forget the Bible says, He does not willingly make man to go through suffering. There must be a reason behind it. And God allows a lot of things to happen as an act of His law. And it's difficult to understand, praise the Lord at times. Are we together? What God allows at times can be an act of what? Of His law and His sovereignty. Or you may call it his loving sovereignty. Praise you the Lord. While Jesus was on the cross and was asking the question, My father, why have you forsaken me at this moment when I needed you the most? It was the sovereignty of God and the sovereign act of his love that was at work. So that Jesus can bring many sons unto what? Unto glory. Now, in the book of John, chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, the Bible told us that at the ninth hour, the disciples asked Jesus Christ a very important question. They saw a man who had been going through suffering right from birth. Are we together? They what? They saw a man who had been what? Going through suffering right from where? From birth. And it was the night hour, like around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, when they were going to the place of prayer in the synagogue. And they saw a man born blind. He was born what? Now, the medical people will explain it. You know, these are some of the things they call congenial uh, 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 abnormality. That's something that abnormality that occurred in the womb while the baby was being formed. Is that all right? That is what medicine will say. But in the light of God, there are certain things he allows. This guy was born blind right from the womb. And so, oftentimes, we always want to look for a way to situate our problem and our troubles and our grief. Where can, what, what, what explanation can we give to it? How do we get to answer and give answer and give reason to what we are going through? The grief that we see people go through. The suffering that we see people go through. We look for a way to give answers to them. And so the disciples asked Jesus, look at this man born blind. Who sinned? This man or his parents? Are we together? <laughs> now in their own way of finding answer, how, in what place have they dumped his problem? In what corridor? In the corridor of sin, that sin must have been the reason for this man's problem, for this man's what? Suffering. I hope you know that we still do that today too. Don't we? When somebody is going through some stuff, you say he must be the worst sinner. He must have done something wrong to God. Some of us even think that way. So you will do all the confession you need to do. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Occasionally, it is not because of sin. Is anybody following? In our attempt to give an answer to the problem and the grief we are going through, we can make some conclusion unless the Lord helps us to get the right answer. So they asked Jesus, who sinned? 
Because perhaps maybe in the region where they live, it has always been the belief that when you go to some stores, it must be seen that is responsible. And Jesus Christ said, No, 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 no. Neither this man nor his spirit sinned. God allowed this as an act of sovereignty so that his glory can remain manifest. Can we quickly read that scripture? John chapter 3, quickly. John chapter 9, rather, verse 1 to 3. John chapter 9, 1 to 3. Occasionally we go through some suffering and some moment of grief. Some of these things can come suddenly. Some of them gradually. Some of them can be prolonged. Some of them can be a short moment of grief. But then, in the midst of it, we have a lot of questions. Where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? As he was passing by. As he was passing by. He saw a man blind from birth. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him. Now, can you hear that? Many people have questioned God and many people are still questioning God. If you are going to ask God questions, ask him questions from the person of somebody who will want to have answer, not from somebody who wants to lecture God. Hello? The reason why a lot of people are not getting answer to their questions is because they speak from the perspective of someone who wants to lecture God. That was the undoing of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And that's why God said, in learning, they will learn, but they will not understand. Because they are only asking from the perspective of arrogance and thinking that they have superior intelligence. Of course, man is highly intelligent. But when it comes to God, give him space to give answer. Praise be the Lord. Do what? Give him space. It's just like you're in the class and you're trying to ask your teacher to explain something to you. While you are asking the question, you're already answering already. <laughs> I don't know. Why. Have you seen some students like that before? They call them over what? Over study. Well, they won't give the teacher, they won't give the lecturer the opportunity to clarify and then they get themselves the more confused. And that's what a lot of people do. You're looking for answers, you're not giving God space to answer, you're getting yourself the more confused. So, the question Jesus, and I have said it, God is not against us asking him questions. Are we together? But giving space to answer. Ask from the perspective of somebody who wants to really, really learn and understand. Not from the perspective of somebody who wants to lecture God. When you try to do that, you get yourself the more confused. So they asked Jesus question. Yes? His disciples questioned him. His disciples questioned him. Rabbi. Rabbi. Who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. So that this man was born blind. What was his offense? And you know that's what a lot of us ask at times too. What's my offense? Why do I deserve this? What have I done to do what? Have you heard people say that before? What have I done to deserve this? Yes. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parent. Sinned. Jesus answered. Jesus answered. This came about. So this was permitted. 
This was allowed. This came by the sovereign act of God, yes. So that God's work might God's works might be displayed in you. So that God can use this man as a specimen for the display of his power. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? The world you go through at times can be like a channel for the display of God's power and God's great work to the rest of all of humanity. God wanted to use you as a specimen. And don't mind, don't forget. Like we said, when it comes to suffering and grief, you need to bring it face to face with the sovereignty of God. We read another scripture last week in the book of Romans that talked about the fact that God can use one as an object of glory and another as an object of what? Dishonor. I said, who are you, old man, to say to God, what are you making out of me? said, can the pot say to the potter, what are you making out of me? Doesn't the potter have authority? <laughs> Is anybody following me? Doesn't the potter have rights and control over the clay to determine what shape it should be molded into? That is the perspective of the sovereignty of God in the light of our suffering. Can you read that verse 3 of that John chapter 9 from another version? The answer that Jesus Christ gave. Neither this man nor his spirit sinned, said Jesus. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed. Might be displayed. Now listen to me. When you say God display your work in my life and through my life, He may permit some measure of suffering. Is anybody following? Lord, I want to see Your power. God, I want to see Your glory. He may permit some measure of suffering so that His work of glory can be displayed through you. I say, Wow! Indeed, there is a God in heaven. Who rules in the affairs of men? Can you read another version for me? John chapter 9, verse 3. Jesus answered. Jesus answered His blindness has nothing to do. His suffering has nothing to do. His grief. You know, this man on a daily basis, why can't I see like other men? <laughs> you know, you'll be asking that question. I, I thought about uh, Brother Nick, you know, who was born without limbs, and he said it was so difficult for him. People, full-fledged children will, you know, be asking him questions, why were you born in this way? And he was asking questions, so he got so frustrated until he discovered the purpose in his suffering. And today, in fact, I would say he's more fulfilled than many people with their limbs intact. He's gotten PhD, if I'm correct, in that state, to prove to us that there is no limitation and there is no limit to what a man can accomplish with the help of God. He's married with, I think, maybe two, three kids now. He has written a lot of books. I have one of each in the house. Or maybe two of it. He has written a lot of books. He goes around to conduct seminars for corporate bodies. Yet, 
with our limbs. Understanding and suffering our grief in the light of the sovereignty of God. So when you find yourself in the valley of grief and suffering and you're filled with a lot of questions, face that question, confront that question with the sovereignty of God and there will be clarity and understanding. Please read. Jesus answered, his blindness has nothing to do with his sins. His blindness has nothing to do with his what? With the sins of his parents. His blindness so that God he is blind so that so that God's power might be might be seen at work in him. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. And you know, at one point the wife of Job got to that point of his own question. Are we together? She got to that point of her own question. When she questioned the suffering that Job was going through, and the fact that Job was still holding on to the concept and the idea of God that must be worshipped, that must be honored, that must be hallowed. Job chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. God permits some suffering as an act of his loving care and his sovereignty so that he can show forth his power, so that he can show forth his greatness. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? You know, because when all the things that were happening to Job was happening to him, he was still trying to maintain a strong relationship with God. Was he trying to maintain, and he maintained that strong relationship with God while that season of suffering lasted. And the wife of Job couldn't understand why this man was still be holding on to a relationship with God while he was going through this kind of suffering that perhaps no man has ever faced before. In one day, his business collapsed. In one day, all his children died. In one day, a strange sickness struck him to the point that the whole of his body was disfigured. In one day, most of the people that used to come for counsel, to seek him for counsel, were nowhere to be found. When what befell him happened to him, except for three friends who came and found even at one point, made his situation more miserable. Yes? Said, are you still holding on to your integrity? Cause God and what? Die. When we go through suffering and grief, and that's why people look up to heaven and say, God, they call God all manner of names. And many men have been in that situation before. And that was what the one of Job was asking Job to do. But Job wouldn't do that. Praise the Lord. Job wouldn't what? He wouldn't do that because he was able to have this understanding about the sovereignty of God and about this twin, you know, uh, uh, concept of pleasure and pain working together. That in life, we are bound to find ourselves between these two poles of pleasure and what? And pain. 
Yes, great. You speak as a foolish woman speaks. Joe now had to tell her, you are speaking like a foolish person, like someone who is not, who has no understanding, who has not learned enough. You are speaking like a foolish person, yes? Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? God, as much as God allows us to have good things, there are moments it may also permit adversity. Are we together? That was a lesson from Job. <laughs> and a lesson from his suffering. That as much as God allows pleasure, he can also allow what? He can also allow what? Even though he does not allow pain willingly. Don't forget Lamentation chapter 3 verse 33. When God allows pain, it is for a what? A reason. There's a reason behind it. Or there could be something that moved God to allow it. In the case of Job, we know that there was a reason. Who moved God to allow it? Satan. Satan was questioning the integrity and the uprightness of Job before God. Is that alright? It was like a man before the judge, an accuser before the judge, accusing a man, and accusing a man before the judge about his integrity and uprightness. And the judge said, okay, I will allow you to scrutinize this man's life. Praise the Lord. Even though the judge said, from all the evidence before me, this man is upright. Is that all right? This man has integrity. But if you are doubting his integrity, I permit you to do your own test. <laughs> is that okay? And now more or less like what happened to Job. There was a reason behind it. God did not permit the suffering that came to Job. And the same way with many of us. Whatever suffering that comes and grief that comes at times, God didn't permit them willingly. Something must have been behind it. Is anybody listening to me? In the case of Job, it was, it was Satan who was questioning. Or some people may be accusing you to God. And this one, he will fail you. He doesn't have any... Is it not because you have given him good things? He has so many pleasurable things. You remove those pleasurable things and let him experience pain and let's see if he will not deny you. And Job was trying to make the wife to have this understand that pain and pleasure are like Siamese twins. Are we together? Pain and pleasure are like what? If somebody was saying, he has never heard anybody Write a poem in honor of pain. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen anybody write a poem in honor of pain? Really? You, are, you write a poem. Have you ever seen? Is that he has never seen anybody erect a monument in honor of pain. Have you ever seen? Make an erect monument in honor of pleasure. Are we together? Are we together? Make an erect monument in honor of what? Pleasure. They can write poem in honor of pleasure. But hardly will you see anybody write a poem in honor of pain. Because nobody wants to have anything to do with pain. But when I'm brethren, pain and pleasure works together. Under the loving sovereignty of our God. And they serve a purpose. Serve a purpose. Let's look at Psalm 147. Psalm 147 verse 45. He counts the number of the stars. 
He gives name to all of them. Our Lord is great. Vast in what? So take note, like we said, when people go through pain, they will say, yes, God may be good, but he is not all that powerful. Or God is all powerful, but he's not perfectly good. But what is it that the scripture says? Uh, his understanding is read it from the previous preceding our lord is great our lord is great vast in power vast in what power so you will say that god is all what all powerful yes his understanding is infinite his understanding is what infinite while our own understanding as human beings is what is finite praise the lord his understanding is infinite. Let's look at Psalm 5 and verse 4. Psalm 5 verse 4. So you are not a God. You are not a God who takes pleasure in what? You know, you might have seen people who say God when they are passing through the moment of grief and say, God, you are wicked. Have you, have you seen some people like that before? You know, it's more or less like when the wife of Job told you, cause God and what? And that. Like, this God is not a good God. He's a wicked God. Just cause him to his face. Can you read that for me again? For you are not a God. For you are not a God. Who takes pleasure in wickedness. Who takes pleasure in wickedness. Nor shall evil dwell with you. Nor shall evil dwell with you. Can we read another version? You are not a God. Who is pleased with wickedness? Hallelujah. Let's read Ephesians 1.11. So our suffering, our grief, find their answers in the sovereignty of God. In the loving art of God. In Him. We were also made his inheritance, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. God does everything according to the decision of his what? His will. Praise the Lord. Everything he does, he does according to his sovereignty, according to his purpose, according to his will, whatever he allows. Is in accordance to his purpose and his will. Can we read another version, please? How all things are done, how many things? How many things? All things are done according to what? All things are done according to God's plan and decision. According to God's what? Plan and decision. According to God's plan and what? Decision. And decision. And God chose us to be his own people in union with Christ because of his own purpose. Because of his own purpose? Based on what he has decided from the very beginning. Based on what he has decided. So you need to understand the, the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, and the face of the suffering and the grief that we go through. Number two. Answer. That we can give to the grief and the suffering that we see all around. 
it is because of the sin of sin or of disobedience. Grief, suffering, and affliction comes to man at times because of what? Because of sin and what? Disobedience. We all know when God created the world, as it is written in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, the Bible says that after God created all things, the Bible says, and behold, all, they were what? They were good. Praise the Lord. Everything was what? Good. Perfect. Eden was a place of bliss. Eden was a place of pleasure. Eden was a place of fulfillment until sin entered, until disobedience entered. Praise you the Lord. Life was in Eden, but when sin entered, death came. And men started to go through pain. The Bible talked about how man will have to till and how he will have to eat through what? Hard labor. Because sin entered the scene and entered the stage as far as the story of man was concerned. Psalm 119 verse 67 to 68. In order to get answers at times to some of the grief and the pain that we go through, we may need to check it. Where is it that sin has entered? At what point has disobedience opened the door to affliction to grieve and to pain. When men go through grief, and that was why I guess the disciples were asking the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, at what point did sin find an expression in this man's problem? Before he punished me. Before he punished me. I used to go, I used to go wrong. I, I went wrong. But now I obey your word. But now I obey your word. So he said, my punishment, my trouble was as a result of the fact that I went the wrong way. I went in the wrong direction. But now that I have started to obey him, things have started to work out. Praise the Lord. So we'll see that when sin enters, then affliction and suffering can also what? Come in. Read another version. Before I was afflicted, now listen, when affliction comes, you need to ask yourself, at what point did this affliction find, find, find its way into my life? At what point did this affliction find its way into our midst? As men, as people, as humans, how come this affliction came? Perhaps we went in the wrong direction. We did what we were not supposed to have done. And then that's the reason why this is coming. We all know that in life, there are certain law of cause and effect. Am I correct? There's a law of what? Is that correct? That if you do something, there is a, there is a repercussion. Now you look at this electricity. Is that right? This electricity. You will know that it will be wrong for me to touch a naked wire that has electrical current. Will it be right for me? Will it be right to touch a naked wire that has current? There will be a consequence. Am I correct? 
Now, if the consequence or the consequence started to manifest, we need to ask, at what point did that happen? What caused it? So this man said, before I was afflicted, what happened? I went the wrong way. I did the wrong thing. I walked in disobedience. Yes? But now, I keep your word. You are what? You, it was then he discovered that God is what? God is so good. It wasn't God that was responsible for his grief. For his, so a whole lot of the grief and the, and the trouble and the affliction we go through in life at times are the result of our own making. Is anybody following? When you look at the pandemic, the coronavirus, it was a mistake from a human being or from some set of human beings. Are we together? Now they say there's an outbreak again in Guinea of another disease. What was it that they call it? The virus? What's the name of the virus? Huh? Ma bug. That is its own um, um, is it killing effect now is about 88%. They were just recovering from the Ebola virus. Now they're having this. And they say that this virus is in is found in animals. Bat is one of such. So how come the thing jump from animal to man? Somebody somewhere must have gone to do something wrong. Is anybody following? One way or the other. So before I was afflicted, I did what? I went astray. I went astray. Can you read another version for me? Okay, you read that version? Someone imagine. Verse 67. Before you punish me. Before you punish me. I used to do, I used to do the wrong I do the, I went the wrong way. I did the wrong thing. Romans 5, 12. Sin, disobedience, can be the reason for the grief and the suffering. And that answer we're looking for is in us doing the right thing. Yeah. Retracing our steps. Therefore, sin enter the world through how many men? One man. The error of one man brought grief and suffering to everybody. The error of one man. Just as sin entered the world through one man, yes? Now, what followed the sin? What followed the sin? So you now can understand why we, are, why we have death. Sin, disobedience, we went the wrong way, we did the wrong thing, and that opened the door to death, which brings grief and suffering. And then, one man opened the door to sin, then sin opened the door to what? To death, yes? In this way. So in this way, death did what? Spread to all men. Because all have sinned. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Hosea 6, verse 1 to 2. The suffering that we go through, the answer at times can be found in our disobedience, in the sin that we commit. And if we want to make it right, we need to walk in obedience. Like David said, the moment I started to obey, I discovered that you are good, oh God. 
Yes? Come. Let us return to the Lord. He has turned us. Listen, they had affliction because they went far away from the Lord. They rejected the Lord. They sinned against the Lord. They disobeyed the Lord. Yes? Said so when we return to him, he will heal us. Yes. He has wounded us. Now, in all honesty, it wasn't God that wounded them. It was their sin of disobedience that brought the wound. Are we together? What brought the wound? The sin of disobedience. If they, if they should say that, you know, at times they will put a sign post where you have a place that has very high voltage. What is the sample that you will have there? What is the sample that puts in the place where there is high voltage? Danger. The danger sign. Have you ever seen it before? And they will say, don't cross this line or don't touch this. If you touch that thing, is it the voltage that is the, the, the reason for your problem? Will it be the voltage that will be the reason? If you eventually touch it and then Either the person gets electrocuted or you are thrown off. It's your act of disobedience to the warning. Is anybody following me? It will be the act of disobedience to the warning. It's the sin. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. James chapter 1, verse 15. James 1, 15. After desire or lust has settled down in a man's life, it will not give up to what? To sin. So you discover that sin can be the reason for the grief and the suffering that we go through. I'll quickly rush through this third one today and we'll call it a day. The third reason why we have grief and suffering is because of the instigation of Satan. Don't forget where we read in Lamentation 3 verse He said, God does not willingly bring affliction upon man because it is not to his joy to see man suffer. Satan at times can instigate. Like we saw in the case of Job, Job chapter 1, verse 1 to 22. When Satan presented himself before God and started to accuse God, I mean, accused Job and challenged the integrity of Job and the uprightness of Job and was telling God that Job will fail you if only you can allow me to test him. And you'll find that also in Job chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. John 10 10. Jesus Christ said, I have, I have come that they may have life and have it what? Said the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to what? And to destroy. Satan's goal is to steal. He wants to steal away our joy. His goal is to destroy. His goal is to kill. And you must also have that understanding that there is, as much as there is God, there's also a Satan who wants to bring grief and suffering to man. But when you Confront Satan with God, then the story will end well, like it did for Job. Second Corinthians, or rather, Zechariah 3, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. You will see the story of Joshua the high priest, too, 
how Satan was accusing him and trying to instigate God against Joshua the high priest. Quickly read for us Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan was standing at his right hand to accuse him. Can you hear that? To do what? So you see that suffering and grief at times can be instigated by Satan and Satanic powers. By Satan and Satanic powers. Finding answers to the grief and the suffering and the affliction that will go on. You begin to say, why is it that God allows it? Where is God in all of this? That are occasion Satan instigate. And if you know how to confront Satan with God, you will win through the affliction. Praise the Lord. Please read on. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuked you now. Satan was trying to accuse Joshua the Abbey because Joshua the Abbey, at that moment, he was wearing tattered clothes, he was, he, was, he, was, he was on feet, he was unworthy to stand before God, and Satan was trying to make him so miserable for him. But the Lord stood on behalf of Joshua the high priest. Said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord rebuke you, yes? Isn't this man a burning stick snatched from what? From the fire. Listen, when you go through the grief you go through, when you go through the suffering, God wants to snatch you out of that fire. Is anybody following? God wants us out of it. But like we said in the book of Lamentations, chapter 33, God does not have any joy in seeing us suffer. But Satan loves to see man suffer. Praise the Lord. He loves to what? To see man suffer. And so when we go through the grief that we're going through and we're asking our questions, we can get answers. When God opens your understanding and says, look, this is from Satan, and we can together work together to ensure that you win at the end of the day. So is this not the bonus the, the, the stick plucked out of the fire? So Satan, why are you trying to make life miserable for this man? Yes? He was dressed with filthy clothes, which is symbolic of suffering, praise the Lord. Symbolic of affliction, symbolic of grief, symbolic of sin, perhaps. Yes? Mm. So he spoke to those standing before him. Take off his filthy Take off his filthy clothes. Take off the suffering of him. Take off the grief of him. May the Lord help us in the mighty name of Jesus. And God gave a command that the status of Joshua should be changed. Because as at that moment, the reason behind the suffering has been rebuked in the person of Satan. Finally, Revelations 12.10. Revelations 12.10. Finding answers to the grief and the suffering that we go through in terms of some of these life's big questions. That we are confronted with. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Say, salvation as what? And the power. Salvation and the power. And the kingdom of our God. And the kingdom of our God. And the authority of the Messiah. And the authority, and the authority of the Messiah. Have now come. Is now 
has now come. Because the accuser of our brother has been thrown out. Because the accuser of our brother has been what? Thrown out. The one who accuses them. The one who accuses them. Before our God. Before day our God, day and what? And night. So you see that Satan at times is behind the sufferings, accusing man before God day and night. But the Bible says the Messiah has already stepped in and salvation has come. May the Lord give us salvation from every suffering, from every grief in the mighty name of Jesus. Any question? Any contribution as we round up? Life's big questions. Why does God allow grief and affliction? First, you need to understand the sovereignty of God. Secondly, at times affliction comes before we, because we, we, we go astray and we do the wrong thing. Thirdly, Satan can instigate. You need to know the personality and the entity and the operation of Satan. At times, he is behind some of his sufferings. And when we are able to uh, put everything in perspective, then we get the right answer and the solution at the end of the day. Question, contribution. Yes, sir. Speaking, I've been so much blessed, so so much blessed by this uh, topic. Uh, a, a few things I just want to that, that came to my mind about this issue of um, uh, suffering, pain, grief, and pleasure, uh, and that just like Pastor rightly said, whether we are going through uh, pain grief, pleasure, or what have you. We must always situate all that with the sovereignty of our God. In his own unquestionable wisdom, he allows whatever he wants to allow. And in as much as we still remain uh, his children, uh, I believe at the end of the day, God has uh, a better thing for us in stock. I want to say that um, when it comes to grief, pain, affliction, or what I feel, uh, God, in His wisdom, allows them uh, to come to us as a children in His own wisdom. Because sometimes we don't know why we are going through uh, those challenges or afflictions that we begin to bring questions from our heart, because we do, we do not see the bigger picture, unlike God, He sees the bigger picture. He sees the end from the beginning. I look at the case of um, uh, the three Hebrews. The three Hebrews were thrown into the fire. That is a, a period of grief, pain, and challenges that they never envisaged. But they never saw the bigger picture at the beginning until nothing happened to them. At the end of the day, it's that they were honored, and their God was also honored. They said, look, there's nobody in this region must worship another God, save the God of the three Hebrews. So at the, at the end of the day, God is like, God, God knows the bigger picture, which we as human beings, as Christians, may not be able to know. 
So we just trust God uh, in His wisdom. Then I have, I've, I've also observed that in life, just like uh, in the case of uh, Moses, you know, God wanted to draw the attention of Moses to Himself. He has some, or he had some specific instruction. They want to pass across to Moses, but probably Moses was too full of himself and what I feel. Then God now brought him to that bunny uh, bush that was pointing, and that thing thrilled Moses, and he, he went further to see what was happening. It was then that God started to, to, to talk to him. And sometimes God will use pains and, and, and grief to call our attention, to draw us back to himself. Perhaps you are, you, are, you are becoming full of yourself, like taking a look, ah, you have this word, you have religion, you have everything, you don't depend on God. So God can use pain, grief, to draw us to himself, to tell us some, uh, to give us some sense that we don't uh, have, that we need. So don't go astray in the line we have um, chosen. Let me just talk about that. All right, may the Lord help us. Yes, Sister Bimbo. Why do we go through what we go through? Why, where is God in all of this? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm also blessed with the uh, message. I think we started it last, last week. Yes. Because at times I do think in my own closet that why did God allow the righteous to suffer at times? Mm. And really, with this message uh, I shared with us, I really know, I really understand even that. He told us that Mishu was telling that God's suffering, that at times he showed his power. And the other one, he talked about sin and disobedience and the instigation of the Satan. Yeah. Sir, can we also say that some people suffer because of what they are great, gambling, or whatever, as in like generational cause. Mm. I don't know if I'm making a yeah, you're making, you're because making Because some people, they are suffering more than law cause. Maybe mm. they are gambling or whatever, what they have done. Yeah. So, what you say is that some people that are suffering now, or these days now, some yeah. of them they might not be their cause. Yes. They might not be the cause of that they are yes. passing through. Yes. It might be their parents that have done one thing or the other, which is unknown to them also. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That, it's, very, it's also part of it. You know, generational uh, 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 factors, or call it generational cause can be responsible for some of the suffering that some people are going through. But the difference now is, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passing. Take note, in Christ. The moment you are in Christ, you are able to take your stand. You can have, cut yourself off from that generational influence of negativities. For example, we are all in our country, and we know that one of the problems we have in our country is bad leadership. And we're all suffering it. So what we're going to can be generational. You know, what we're going through today in Nigeria has been generational mismanagement. Is anybody following me? You know, not necessarily generational curse now, generational corruption <laughs> is what we're suffering because Nigeria would have been better than this, is that all right? If our leaders, past leaders have done the right thing. And those who are there presently are doing the right thing. 
So we are all going through what we are going through because there's a generational connection. Is that all right? And it can be a generational curse as well. It can be the curse of a generation that, yes, that's why they were so highly blessed with natural resources that can make them to be the, 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 the signature of all eyes, the bride of all nations. Yet, because of poor leadership and then generational corruption, we are facing what we are facing. But then, you also know that there are people who are taking themselves off this kind of influence and they are making a big statement with their lives. I don't really understand what I'm saying. So if, if we are in Christ, we can have a departure. The suffering that some people are going through at the moment, of course, the Bible talked about, you know, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the church. But of course, the Bible also says that it will get to a point everyone will answer for himself. That God will no longer visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, provided everybody will account for himself because you can remove yourself from the iniquity of the fathers. You can remove yourself from that curse of the fathers when you come and put yourself under the adoption of Christ. The Bible says we have been adopted. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying now. You know, you have children who go through adoption. Some of them were abandoned children. Is that okay? And abandoned to suffer, abandoned to affliction, abandoned to loneliness. But at times, some of them get adopted and they come into a family where everything goes well for them. Is anybody for them? And they are having a departure from a life that is meant to be in, in abject poverty or to be perpetuated in suffering. So, causes, generational causes of the, the sin of the fathers, the iniquity of the fathers, can be responsible for the suffering of the children. But if the children will get to understand that there is a God in heaven who is willing to be their father and who wants to adopt them into his family, they can depart and separate themselves from that particular suffering that is brought about by generational cause. But more importantly, we'll continue, and I'll still show you about two, three other ways to get answers to some of these live questions, to be able to situate our grief so that in the end, we don't accuse God for our suffering. Because we've come to realize that God is perfectly good and it is perfectly all-powerful. And he does not willingly afflict Neither does it derive joy in seeing us suffer. We have established that far. And if God allows a particular thing, he wants to work out a purpose through it. There was a story of a lady, a Christian, who was always doing you know, the best at work, on time, doesn't take pride, doesn't do anything, wasn't corrupt, and somebody lied against her in the place of work. And then she was sad. Initially, she wanted to fight and fight death. You understand? But the Spirit of God said, why don't you allow God to work his purpose through all this? And she was able to situate it and allow God to do, of course, he was asked to, he was given suspension, but in the process of time, they discovered that somebody instigated the management on false accusation. So our suffering was on the instigation or somebody was able, God helped her to relate to it well. Because at times we don't relate to the suffering well, so we get the more confused. And we don't get the right answer. I don't know if anybody is following me. 
So I'm trusting that the Lord will help us as we get these answers. The Lord will also begin to teach us how to relate to the grief and the sufferings that we go through. As the pandemic came into the whole world and there was lockdown all over and businesses were shut down, as some people were lamenting, some people were making discoveries. Is anybody following? As many people were wondering, ah, why should it happen? There were some people who were inter attending interview. There were people who were supposed to launch a new business. There were people who were supposed to go into a new partnership that will enhance their business. But everything just went in the course of the pandemic when the shutdown and the lockdown came. But for those who were able to situate everything, in the process of time, they discovered the reasons why God allowed that to happen. May the Lord give us grace to be able to comprehend and get answers when the confusion begins to stare us in the face. Shall we bow our heads to pray? Let us talk to the Lord. Say, Father, I receive fresh understanding. I receive fresh understanding. Give me grace to be able to comprehend, to comprehend you and relate to you appropriately in the face of the challenges and the difficulties that life brings on my part. Let's ask God that today, Lord, help me to have the right perspective. That even as I ask my questions, Lord, help me to have the right answer. 